Welcome back. You're listening to This Week. The first transfer of power between the two political parties born out of a civil war and who've essentially run the country since its formation over 100 years ago was carried out under the threat of pistols in the pockets of some of the protagonists. This week, the transfer was an agreed one, met with an almost universal standing ovation in the doll and no drama. Sean O'Rourke is here. His TV documentary and podcast series Two Tribes is on RTE television and the RTE players from this week. Sean, welcome back to this week. Thank you very much. I love the new studio. Well aware. Uh, which you can see on the RTE News Channel. Two tribes, always difficult to explain the differences to, and Heather Humphreys had some difficulty too. Yeah. In partnership since 2016, in government since 2020, and now part of a transfer of power so seamless as to be barely noticeable. What is the difference, if any, between Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael now? I'm not sure, Gavin, that I can enlighten you any more than Heather Humphreys uh, was able to do earlier. Um, I remember... In 1980, a long time ago, I was dispatched to County Mayo by the editor of the Sunday Press to familiarise myself with some politicians. Uh, Charlie Hawhey was on a weekend trip there to the town of his birth, Castle Bar, and uh, there was a big turnout of new ministers and junior ministers. He'd only been in office for less than a year. And you had the likes of uh, Ray McSharry, Albert Reynolds, Mark Killalay, the, the, uh, a lot of people. I'm not sure if I can remember, was Maura Gagan Quinn there? But there was a big turnout um, and um, Monsignor Horn was there and there was a great big thumbs up when Charlie more or less agreed to give him the airport and so forth. But there was a reception afterwards. And one thing that my outstanding memory of that weekend was there was a young Fine Gael TD, the young Loch Var, as Seamus Mallon used to call him, end of Kenny, late 20s, was in the middle of them, looking very much at home. And ever since that moment, I've been asking myself that question, um, you know, what is the difference? And I was doing some rummaging lately and I came across an old copy of the Irish Press uh, from 1987, just after... Um, Fine Gael had gone out of government, Labour had left them in government and John Bruton's budget had failed to get through. And the heading on the Irish press, it's Mac Bruton, hair shirt budget from FF. And just to read you, just a couple of lines, McGavin, if I may. The Minister for Finance, Mr McSharry, yesterday issued a tighter fitting version of the hair shirt designed by his Fine Gael predecessor, John Bruton, in a budget which surpassed its expectations in the severity of its spending cuts and other measures. I should say, I wrote this story, right? And then it said, Unashamedly donning the mantle of fiscal rectitude, Mr. McSherry declared, it is in all our interests that the government follow a very strict discipline. There can be no concessions to interest groups and all sections of the community will have to bear some of the burden. And then Michael Noonan was quoted as accusing Fianna Fáil of grand larceny. I, I shared that page um, with some of my friends and one of them came back to me and said, he used to work here, Ray Burke, and he said... Uh, we have rotating Taoiseach since yesterday. We had rotating Minister for Finance in 1987. So it is very hard, uh, you know, to describe or discern. I think, you know, the experience of doing this programme has suggested to me that it's as much about who you're for as what you're for. And one of the threads coming through it is that, look, Fine Gael, certainly prior to the Garrett Fitzgerald era, was seen as representing maybe the better off, the professional classes, people in business, Fianna Fáil, the small, small, small man, as it would have been said back in the day, uh, social welfare recipients, um, that kind of thing. And um, obviously on the north there were big differences, but... That's what we do in the programme. We, we, we look, look at all kinds of themes, um, you know, be it the economy, the north, 
identity, party machines, knights of the long knives and so forth. Barry Cowan was talking to us yesterday about uh, the imperative for Micheál Martin or any leader of Fianna Fáil now to distinguish them as a party ahead of a next general election. How will they do that if they're tied at the hip to Fianna Gael now? With great difficulty, I would suspect. Again, come back to who they're for. I mean, you may see differences or nuances, for instance, I mean, Leo Varadkar keeps talking about uh, people who get up early in the day, the need for tax reform, tax cuts, people to get the value out of uh, any overtime or extra pay that they may get. I mean, look, they have been extraordinarily fortunate uh, to have huge amounts of money available primarily through the corporation tax, uh, but also as a result of the extra hundreds of thousands of people at work. So they've had a lot of large yes and they've needed it COVID uh, we've seen what happened with uh, the war on Ukraine uh, so you know they're, it's very hard to I mean I'm not sure the word fiscal rectitude is kicking around the Department of Finance too much these days so again it may be you know this broad based appeal that Fianna Fáil insists that they have you know I know education has always been a subject close to their hearts they've got some really good achievements there going back certainly to the, to the 1960s and free education and school transport and so forth so it will be difficult That's the past and the present, but the future. Is a merger of the parties inevitable now or will it have to wait until one party's had a go at coalition with Sinn Féin? Um, I think in the same way as coalition between these two parties had to wait until, I mean, arguably, it could have happened much, much sooner. Yes. Um, And there were people saying it should happen. I mean, you can go back to 1948 and get references. Uh, I know, for instance, the late Noel Whelan quoted um, another historian, Dermot Walsh, uh, a letter written by... um, the relatively young at the time, Erskine Childers, uh, to a senior Fianna Fáil car- uh, colleague, um, Sean McEntee, saying, well, they had just been turfed out of power and said, look, there's a quarter of a million young people between 21 and 25. They don't really see any policy differences between us. So this is not exactly a new question. Um, but it's, I think it's in the area of you know, the, the Gnadini, that's, what, that's where Fianna Fáil want to uh, make their mark. But on the question of coalition, 2016, Andy Kenny offered it. Yes. 20, sorry, 1987, Alan Jukes asked for it. Um, I'm not sure Micheál Martin could sell it. Uh, there's all at that particular time, but then they got no thanks for uh, for for, for um, the um, what was the phrase they used um, confidence and supply. So they might as well be in government doing things. So uh, look, it all comes down to the numbers. We saw that most clearly with the Progressive Democrats in Fianna Fáil. I mean, that was the ultimate in one sense impossibility. If Des O'Malley and Charles Hawley could work in government together. Anybody can work in government together. Do you see one of them going into government with Sinn Féin after the next general election? I think it's more likely that Fianna Fáil, if that is to happen, that's if Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael don't have the numbers along with others. I mean, they're there with the Greens now. Um, so I think, I think certainly when you've seen all of this two-part series and when you've listened to the interviews that we've done, I think you're more likely to conclude that, look, Fine Gael is much much closing the door or slamming the door uh, on the idea of, of going in with Sinn Féin. Micheál Martin is much more relaxed saying... And you might have seen it on the promo that's been going out over the last couple of nights uh, that, uh, look, ultimately it's for the electorate to decide. How do you see a merge of these these parties happening eventually? Uh, Well, if they get smaller and smaller, 
Which, uh, which they have. Yes, but I mean, uh, the question is how much smaller can they get? How much smaller will they get? I mean, let's say Sinn Féin come in and it's not at all beyond the bounds of possibility. I chaired an event on, on Thursday morning and no better man to read the runes uh, than Bertie Hearn, the former Taoiseach. And uh, he predicted they could get up to 60 seats at the next election. Now, bear in mind, Gavin, going into the election 20 years ago, 2002, Sinn Féin had one seat. Quivin O'Quaylon. Uh, yes. And... Um, Look at, look at them now, you know. So, look, you, you just don't know. So, I mean, they don't, like, for instance, there are some people who come across in the series, people like Brian Cowan, Mary Hannafin, who says civil war politics hasn't gone away, you know. Um, they don't want, they don't like this idea. Alan Jukes, on the other hand, says, yeah, it could happen. Sean Dyden, who's been around a very long time, says, hmm, hard to see it happening, but wouldn't entirely rule it out. This is the first time you've been with us in RT since you attended that Oireachtas Golf Society dinner in August 2020. It's almost two and a half years ago now, during COVID restrictions. A controversy dubbed Golfgate at the time, which led to a number of political resignations and, and, and cost you work with RT, even though you'd retired from here. Why did you attend that dinner? Because I saw it as something that would help me get my eye in ahead of coming back on the airwaves. Um, I think it's important to interact with politicians. And this was, uh, I think, an, an intelligence gather opportunity, gathering opportunity. I knew certain people would be there. I wanted to make it my business to talk to them, to pick their brains. I mean, bear in mind, I hadn't been on the air for, well, since the early part of April. So this was several months and I was due to come back here. So I said, right, you know, this is an opportunity uh, to, to go to it. Now, obviously, we know what happened. Um, and um, I think, you know, again, in hindsight, I wish the event hadn't taken place. I wish I hadn't gone there. Um, and, you know, it was clear pretty quickly that, you know, certainly, you know, in the court of public opinion, this did not go down well. And, you know, RT had a problem. I had a problem. I mean, bear in mind, I think the tone was set by the Kian Corla, uh, Shauna Farrell, who on day one said, look, this is outrageous. Uh, this society should be disbanded. How dare they use the, the name of the Oireachtas? As it happens, that society was set up at the request of Jack Lynch many, many years ago uh, on a bipartisan basis. There were some very respected journalists involved, people like Michael Mills. And the idea was to have a way of reaching out and, and socialising with British parliamentarians. And that was the, the, the and, and they initially got, I think, about seven or eight of them uh, to come over and, and, and play golf and socialise. But I mean, essentially, to answer your question or to come back to make to, to repeat the point, it was basically a way of picking up intelligence. This year, all the charges against the people, and, and you weren't one of them, accused with breaching regulations aimed at preventing the spread of COVID-19 were dropped. But when it all happened, you said at the time on Twitter, I should not have been at the dinner. I don't have a defence. I was invited to play golf and I really didn't consider it beyond that other than to assume uh, whatever was happening would be acceptable from a public health point of view. I very much regret that lack of thought and interrogation on my part and I apologise unreservedly for it. Do, do, do you stand by what you said at the time? Well, I'm, I'm certainly not going to unapologise now because, again, look at the context, Gavin. Uh, now, OK, I had... I had left RTE uh, on a full-time basis. I had signed another contract, uh, a two-year contract to do some television work and to do Saturday with Sean O'Rourke, as it was going to be called. Um, and people, you know, I remember going to, 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 to view the remains of the mother of a friend of mine about a month after that event in Clifton. And I'm feeling, God, you know, I mean, what people have to endure and, and you know, 10 people at funerals and so forth. You yourself had to do broadcasts from, from home, I think, at the time. And people, I mean, they, they, they work wonders uh, in keeping the show on the road, 
on the road, be it in here or in the independent, in the media that we know about. So, you know, I mean, people felt very bruised and there was a perception got out there. I mean, go back to what I was quoting the, the Cancorla saying now, um, and he revisited it again when the doll reconvened. I'm not sure that he unsaid or revisited it since that case. Uh, you're right, it didn't involve me. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, I'll tell you the one thing about it. There's a bunch of guys I'm friendly with. We have, have a group called West Awake, right? People like Tommy Gorman, Michael Alley, Charlie Bird, Jim, Jim Fahey, God rest him. And we were due to meet in, we were due to walk the prom in Galway the day before that golf event, right? And somebody said, and I think it was Jim, said, look, guys, you know, this mightn't look great because the things are, are, are coming back, uh, restrictions and so forth. So we caught it off. And I never joined the dots. And to this day, I don't know why or how. Um, perhaps, you know, I was kind of maybe demob happy on holidays and so forth. And again, people were assured this is all in line with the regulations. But, you know, and, and it turns out legally it was no difficulty. Uh, but again, you know, you could see the optics weren't great. And then, you know, events had to take a certain course. You're back on television this week. The podcast yes. will start dropping, I think is the expression from today. Yes. Were RTE justified in cancelling their plans with you at the time? Were, were, you, were you unfairly treated by RTE? I, I, look, I have no regrets about what happened. I took serious advice from senior colleagues of ours at the time. Uh, three, well, in the season that's in, it, that's in it, we'll call them three wise men. And with over a century of broadcast stroke journalistic experience between them. And each of them said, Sean, you know, really, this, this is bad. You have a difficulty with credibility in the current climate with doing this uh, at this stage. So I basically said, look, whatever art you want, I will go along with. And the next day I was invited to a meeting and I was told, look, these, these projects can't go ahead now or any time. And I said, well, OK, you know, why don't we just say... We, we, we've agreed this is the position now, uh, but like that decision had been taken. So, you know, I always hoped no promises were made, but the, the phrase was used, we rule nothing out. And that was actually said publicly within, within a few days. So I always hoped, um, but as I said, there was no understanding. But within a few months, I was back talking and said, look, you know, let's see what the space is. And there was always that possibility. It took a bit, bit of time before we settled on something. So where we are now, I've actually, to borrow a Sean Dyden phrase again, I've managed to get another spin on the merry-go-round, doing things that wouldn't have happened um, had I, you know, had events taken the expected course. I've got this two-part TV series, which has been absolutely fascinating to make. I mean, diplomats being assigned to this country will be told, watch that if you want to know about the Irish political parties. I got to make that working with fabulous professionals uh, in Midas uh, Productions, uh, Mike Keane and Andrew Gallimore, the producer and director, and these one-to-one -one podcasts, fascinating interviews, and there will be more. So, just, just on that, you spoke to Phil Hogan uh, as part of your series of documentaries yes. and podcasts. In your view, was his resignation justified? Listen, Phil Hogan is well able to talk for himself, right? What do you think? And I, I interviewed him and the, that, that podcast will be going out. Look, I had enough to be concerned with, with my own situation and trying to put a bit of shape on it and uh, maintain a bit of dignity without getting without wading into the Phil Hogan thing. But I tell you, it's a, it's a podcast worth waiting for, Gavin, uh, because, you know, it is something that we address and his own view now uh, in regard to how, how things unfolded. So look, I'm not, I'm not, I, let's see what, what happens and people can make of what they will when it, when it drops. The documentaries come out on Wednesday and Thursday on 9 RT 9.35 on Wednesday. Thank you for asking. 10.05 uh, 10 on Thursday. 
today and uh, the podcast start dropping today. Dick Spring, really interesting one. Mary Harney, another really interesting one. And um, the other one is Brian Cowan. Um, you know, people who haven't been interviewed for, for quite some time. And Bit as like I say, yourself. there's more to come. And if you were to ask me two and a half years ago, uh, it could, or if we could re- rewind the clock and I was to do what I was supposed to do and what I'm doing now, I would go unequivocally for what I'm doing now. Sean O'Rourke, thank you. More after this break.